Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and want to talk about. My name is Andy Nelson, host of the Next Real Film Podcast. On this episode, we're taken to the streets to talk about John Chu's new adaptation of Lin-Manuel Miranda's 2008 Broadway hit, In the Heights. 
Once upon a time, in a faraway land called Washington Heights. Say it so it doesn't disappear. Washington Heights! Lights up on Washington Heights. Up at the break of day, I wake up and I got this little punk I gotta chase away. Pop the grate at the crack of dawn, sing while I write down the awning. Hey, y'all, uh, good morning. It's a story of a block that was disappearing. The genius is back! Yo, here's your chance. Ask her out right now. Hey! There's something on your shirt. <laughs> Smooth operator on them. We all had a sueñito. And when it came to dreams, we had to keep scraping by. Maybe this neighborhood's changing forever. Maybe tonight is our last night together, however. I just want to see the whole world through our eyes. They're talking about kicking out all the dreamers. It's time to make some noise. We had to assert our dignity in small ways. Little details that tell the world we are not invisible. This is the moment when you do better than me. Because you can see a future that I can't. Made all of this? This is me. They used to say, if you work hard, if you live by the rules, the money will come, the things will come. You ready? I've been saving up all my pennies in my piggy bank for this day. Today's all we got, so we cannot stop. This is our block. In the heights, I Andy, have you heard about these membership plans we have over at the next reel? Membership plans? Tell me more. For just $1 a month, that's practically nothing. You can become a One Reeler member and get access to member channels over on Discord. But I'm already a member on Discord. Yeah, but you don't have access to the special channels. Ooh, so what's on these special member-only channels? You know that Saturday matinee show? Oh yeah, the one I get every Monday when the hosts talk about news and trailers, play movie-related games, and then they challenge each other with their list of films related somehow to the movie that we reviewed that week. That's the one. Members get access to the Show Talk channel where they can vote on these lists each week. Wait, wait, wait. You you mean there's a vote? I, I love voting. Mama always said, vote early and vote often. Now, if you bump your membership to the two-reeler tier, which costs a measly $5 a month, practically the same you'd pay for a fancy coffee drink, you get so much more. Oh, uh, what more is there? Two reelers not only get everything the one reelers get, <laughs> that's a given, but they also get access to live streams to watch the shows when they actually record or anytime thereafter. You mean I have to stop doing this in my bathrobe? Two reelers also get to be a part of the pre show chat with hosts before every film board episode. I like it. I like it. Two reelers get every show before regular listeners and without ads. Oh, you mean they don't have to sit through this? <laughs> Count me in. 
but the best benefit of all, members get bonus member-only episodes. I love that. It's an exciting time to be alive. What can I say? So how do I sign up? It's easy. Just head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Thenextreel.com slash membership? Thenextreel.com slash membership. Access to member-only channels in Discord, early access to shows, access to live streams, and member bonus episodes. Sign up today. Joining me today are Mandy and JJ. Hey there. I promise I won't sing. <laughs> oh, why? I was hoping I you would. I want to hear you sing. I'm going to leave it to JJ. Oh, no. We could sing together. Let's duet. That's the best. Okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> See? Now we're happy. Now we're happy. And we have a special guest joining us today for this episode. It's Brian Rowe, host of the Film at 50 podcast. Hi. So great to be here. I'm thrilled to have you uh, joining us today. So let's start talking about this uh, this movie that we all watched. Uh, first question for all of you. Did any of you go out and see this in the theater or were you all watching it on HBO Max at home? I did. I saw it in the theater. You did. It was so great. Was it your first? Second row. First time back. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And just giddy. I did think uh, my thought was that it was going to be for Black Widow. So I'd get that that really that intense Marvel reel as it came in. Mm-hmm. But I had the same feelings. I just didn't have the, the I didn't have that little thing. I hadn't planned on seeing this in the theater, but it just kind of worked out. And I took my kids too, my nine and my 11 year old. And they, oh. they, you know, they got to take part in it. And it's our first time back to the theater. And it really felt like a big a big breaking of the seal for us to go back and for us to be there and experience it on the big screen. It was wonderful. I was very happy about it. Fantastic. Uh, what about you, Brian? I really wanted to see this in a theater. I just did not get an opportunity. And so it was either watch it at home or not watch it. So I watched it at home. <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> but Silly. watching it, I was like, oh, man. Because I saw The Conjuring last weekend in the theater. Uh-huh. And that movie was kind of disappointing, I thought. And I thought, wow, I would have much rather have seen this movie in a theater with a giant audience. would have been great. <laughs> Certainly a lot more spectacle in this than in The Conjuring. <laughs> Mandy, what about you? I watched it on my couch. You did, yeah. In yep. four easy installments, because that's how my <laughs> life is. <laughs> that's the benefit of watching things in the movie theater, is it really forces you to watch it in one sitting and really focus on just the one thing. You don't have your phone out. and Not so. with the size of my bladder, Andy. I, <laughs> I was just going to say. And the size of my root beer, I pee like four times in one movie. So. I was going to say, it's ironic that you called that a benefit, Andy. Yeah, I well, think Mandy would say. The <laughs> so I guess, I guess the perfect world would be the movie theater experience, but you can actually pause it or say, excuse me, Mr. Projectionist, can you please stop this for a second so I can have right. a bathroom break? Yep. Everybody I wait. I see. Right. <laughs> Well, I watched it at home, and and like you, uh, Brian, this was one I was like, wow, there's a lot of spectacle here. I really would love to see this on the big screen and see how mm. this really feels, because it definitely felt like a big spectacle. So I'll say the first thing yeah. that the boys mentioned when we were there, and it w- they noticed it in the trailers, because they had the... I think they had the F9 trailer. They had a Snake Eyes trailer. They had a bunch of different trailers. They were like, I forgot how loud it is here. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in terms of this <laughs> film, too, like to get all of the music and to have it all like blowing at you as it was coming out was really a neat experience. So not only the spectacle, but really the sound was that thing that like, oh, yeah, I'm at the movies again. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. That, yeah, that's a good point. You really feel like you're in it, right? Yeah. Well, let's dig into our initial thoughts of this movie. And as we talk about our initial thoughts, I'd love to know what your history is with the musical itself as you came into this film. Have you seen it? Have you just listened to the soundtrack? One of those people, uh, were you coming into this with high expectations and were they met? Or was this your first time ever being associated, having anything associated with this show 
introduced. Uh, so, um, Mandy, let's kick it off with you. Well, as you know, I choreographed the original Broadway production. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I just wanted to see Brian's face. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were telling the truth. I was like, what? See? Uh, Is it sarcasm, right? I'm saying. Good, JJ. Yeah. No, I... Um, <laughs> I, I'm a Broadway baby. I, it's my background and my passion and my, it's my life. I had heard in the Heights back when it, you know, the original soundtrack, I'd never seen it on Broadway. I've seen enough clips. I knew the soundtrack. I'm not a huge fan of it. Hmm. Um, I think there are really spectacular moments and numbers and themes, but I've never wanted to sit, to go to a production of in the Heights. It's never been a, a thing for me. But the movie looked so opulent and beautiful. So I was very excited to see the movie version of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Were you pleased with it? Were you disappointed in it? I was thrilled with the filmmaking. Thrilled with it. But I have the same feelings about In the Heights that I always did, which is there are really brilliant, fun, incredible moments, but it doesn't make a story for me. JJ, how about you? So I, I love musicals too. Um, the big part of my life, uh, really the developmental part of my life growing up, um, with Broadway musicals and just kind of like falling in love with the emotion and the power that can be brought through the, the musical as a genre. Um, I, in the heights was completely off my radar. I knew nothing of the music. I didn't really know of the show. And I think this is something that really benefited from the switch in scheduling that happened as a result of the pandemic, because ultimately in the heights was supposed to come out in the theater a year ago. Right. And then Hamilton on Disney plus was going to be released this year. Um, but because of, you know, not having theaters and all these kinds of things, they decided to switch them and have Hamilton come out first. So we actually, you know, we did the film board about the ha about Hamilton last year. And it was, uh, other than, you know, what I sort of knew uh, tangentially about Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton was my first really experience with his his basis, his basis in musicals. And I, it, and it really blew me away. So I don't know if they would have switched if I would have seen in the Heights. And, um, but then after watching Hamilton and getting so excited and geeked out about that, and then having, just like Mandy said, as the trailers come out to in the Heights and seeing what they're doing here and the filmmaking and stuff, I got really excited to see it. And I mean, again, I'm saying, you know, I took my boys to see it at opening weekend because it, it, it's something that I really wanted to catch. So all that said, I feel the exact same way about the music. I feel like this is somewhat of a little bit of a it's it's a smattering of the different things that Lin-Manuel does in sort of music and stuff like this and I totally understand it as a foundational piece of what he brings to his art and these kind of things and I can see the inspirations and how they grow from here knowing it in context of his career but for me the music is not what is spectacular about this movie I was just like Mandy very excited about the filmmaking really excited about what they did to make it a, a film as opposed to a show um, and I don't know that I would see the show separately but now you know, my boys have a favorite song and, and I have these things. So we will listen to it from time to time. And I really enjoyed it. But again, not my favorite musical. Won't, won't be in my top, you know, five, top 10 list. But uh, but again, I'm very happy with it. It was extremely a satisfying experience. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? So I didn't know much about this going in. Like I had seen Hamilton. I saw it in San Francisco in 2019 and was familiar with Lin-Manuel Miranda's work. But in the Heights, somehow I'm like, wow, this is like won a bunch of Tonys in 2008, just looking, looking it up a few minutes ago and kind of surprised how little I knew. But that was kind of exciting sitting down for the movie yesterday, like having really no expectations, no kind of I, I, like I knew like a little bit about it, but very little. 
And yeah, I'm kind of with Mandy on this. I, you know, I really love musicals. I love the filmmaking. The look of the movie is spectacular. And it's got all of these great moments that I love. Uh, gosh, the, the final scene with uh, Abuela, the, um, the kind of like the almost dream sequence in the subways is one of the most moving five minutes of film I've seen in the last six months. Cohesively, as a complete story, it didn't quite hang together for me, as well as some other musicals that I love on film, including Moulin Rouge, which I just watched again a few weeks ago. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a movie that people should see in a theater if they're going to see it, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm right there with all of you. I mean, I grew up on musicals. I love musicals. And uh, I just, I, I'm such a fan of you know, the idea of what musicals can do and, and how they can kind of create this great emotion with you and the songs can become such a part of you. Um, and I didn't like, and I knew nothing about this. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew of Hamilton by name, but I, I, until I saw the, the, the performance on Disney plus, like I didn't know anything. I hadn't listened to the songs or anything. So I was very unfamiliar with it. And, uh, same thing with this. Like I hadn't even heard of this until, uh, until all the you know the commercials started coming out, and I thought, oh, is this his follow up to Hamilton? And I'm like, oh no, it was actually before Hamilton. So you know, it's kind of like kind of like that. And so coming into this, you know, and, and when I watched Hamilton, I was like, eh, okay, it's fine. I mean, it wasn't my favorite. It has some good songs. I think I find Lin Manuel Miranda's kind of the way that he constructs the the his the musicals with his partners is that it feels. I think he's doing a lot of really magical things within them, but I find the stories themselves to be fairly basic in the way that they're structured. And this felt very basic to me, like just the way that the story beats felt like nothing really was a big surprise, like the missing lottery ticket. Who's got it? Hmm. I wonder like things like that. I'm like, it it felt so obvious to me. Um, And so I was really hoping, is it going to be the music that stands out for me? Yeah, you know, there's some certainly some songs that I still can't stop singing. So to that end, I think that um, I probably will end up with this soundtrack and probably will listen to a number of these songs, including Paciencia y Fe, that Subway song, because that was really, mm. like you said, I mean, one of the most moving songs in the film for me. But as as has been pointed out, it really was John Chu and what he brought to this, because holy cow, this thing was so Magic. vibrant and alive and just the way that the colors played and just everything i'm like okay he has created a full world here so Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about what john john chu is doing here and how i i mean i you know i was like is this going to feel like we're kind of trapped on a stage like we're on this little it feels like we're on this street which feels like a set you know but it felt like nothing about this felt trapped it all felt very expansive uh you know what things stand out to you that John Chu was really bringing to this that just made it feel like he's opening up this big world for us. Is there anything in particular that, that really stands out for you? What it brings me to right away is Chicago in terms of the film. And okay. I want to hear what other people say, think about this too, because one of the things that Chicago did is it took us and it, and it kind of give it, gave us that bridge from the stage show into this sort of interpretation of what it would be like on film, but it still retained some of those stage elements. And this really felt like with, 
what Chu did in particular, and and anyone else who was in the creative you know por- portion of of creating this film, was that they took it to this sort of next level where we're now all of a sudden out of the stage and we're doing all of these really innovative things with what could be a a, a real life interpretation of what we would have received on stage. And I loved that. I, I I mean, it feels like the next level from what we have with Chicago. And I don't know, maybe there are other musical films that are like that, but it, it immediately took me to that. It feels like the same kind of quality that I received when I saw Chicago, where I was like, oh yeah, this is a show and this is a great movie at the same time. You brought up the, the subway number. I think that was very, very special. Uh, I mean, it was super intense. For me, the 96,000 in the pool number was so perfect. And the way they led up to it as they're walking down the street, and I talk about this concept of novelty, uh, uh, the things of novelty that I like in film, when they're doing these sort of pantomimes in the air and they're becoming these graphics things, that's the kind of stuff I love. And they integrated that through so many things. That entire number was just it was perfect for me. And that that made this a great movie. And that's that sort of thing, that bridge between what you would see on stage to what you can do on film. And I think Chu nailed it in this movie. Well, that and I don't know. I have no insider knowledge, but the choreography was just so spectacular and yeah, perfect. It, Christopher Scott, the choreographer, and that the pool number to switch to a Busley, Busby Berkeley overhead with all of the right. pool noodles. I mean, what an homage. You're doing something innovative yes. that we've never seen before. And then you're basically saying, but look, it's just the same as it was in 1945. It was. Yes. That number was heart stopping. We watched it three times in a row when it happened. <laughs> I love that. And then. Love it. Um, not something you can't do in the theater. And right. then. Uh, <laughs> When the sun goes down on the balcony, mm-hmm. did everybody gasp when he went horizontal and and there were no more walls and no more? It was so good. It took and my breath camera, away. And then the cameras, you know, whirling around. You don't know. Not only do they not know what way is up, you don't either. And you're just running <sighs> with them. At no time are we dancing on the ceiling here where we're, let, you know, having the step on the wall. Wait, wait, wait till the right. shift. The camera's right. just moving us to kind of take oh. it. Was, it was mesmerizing and wonderful. I totally agree with you. So that's all filmmaking. That, that to me, doesn't have anything to do with, like, a Broadway musical or Lin-Manuel Miranda, frankly, whom I'm a massive, lifelong fan of. Mm-hmm. But. This filmmaking was next level in every way. Something else I thought he did really well was really capture this place. And a lot of the scenes, it felt like we're not on a set. Doesn't look like we're watching a Broadway show. Like we're actually there. And I liked that. I thought there might be some parts where I feel like I'm just looking at a set on a Broadway show. But this feels very much like location shooting, which makes it really cool. Like the pool scene you said. I think the most amazing shot is when it goes into the water, like you go past all these (laughs) legs and then the camera goes up and then over like 50 people as they're doing this choreographed choreographed dance. I'm like, wow, that's pretty spectacular. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) And that's the sort of thing that you want to see on the big screen because it is so big and, and magical the way all that movement happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, something else that was a big standout for me was the Carnaval de Barrio song toward the end when Daniela, who runs the uh, the salon, who's moving uh, locations, she's like so upset that everyone is, is like nobody comes outside to say goodbye to her. And she goes and like kind of riles up the crowd, as it were, and, and gets them all singing. And it was just mm-hmm. like that song, like the way that 
I don't know, the whole community like comes together in that little place in the kind of that little space, that back alley place where all their, their singing and dancing and stuff. And I mean, it wasn't, it didn't stand out for me like 96,000 in the pool did, but just the way that they, they had all of the people like hanging out the windows, jumping on the cars, like it just felt very community. And that's something else that I, JJ, I think you said how, or maybe it was you, Brian, but it felt very much like this was a world that felt like a community. Like these people yeah. felt like they all knew each other. They felt like they were all in each other's lives for their, their lifetimes. And it just felt like they, I don't know, just, it felt cohesive. And that was, I mean, you know, it, the film didn't like, it wasn't a spectacular musical, but the community building within it and the world building in it, like I, I was found that really took me by surprise because I, I loved this community and, and some of these people like probably wouldn't be people I would hang out with, but I loved watching them and the way that Daniela like riles up the crowd in this particular scene and gets them really going and like that, that, was I, I felt the life come back in just as she kind of brings it back in. So that was another moment that I thought was special. And I read something because I was obsessed with the choreography uh, that, you know, they held huge dance calls in New York and L.A. to find sure. this world, to build this world and this community of people who seemed, you know, um, organically part Authentic. of it. Yeah. And the choreographer said the difference was palpable this is a an entirely new york cast they were raw he said the the la dancers were perfect and polished mm. and the new york d- dancers had grit and heart and performed you know like like real people not like dancers and that's what we were all feeling because everybody in this film is a dancer i mean i loved there were you know older women in their 70s just cutting a rug i mean everybody that's got great. involved and and i I I believe in this community there that that is true that everything could turn into a dance party any minute. And, <laughs> right. Um and, so and even Jimmy Smith has gotten a rug <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Along those lines Andy you said that you might not hang out with him. I bet if you were born on that block you would. I'm sure that's, I would. That's the community building that you get from this film that mm-hmm. that everyone who's on this block is on this block and they're all part of the carnival. That's I mean, I felt that. That was the sort of tangible feeling you get from the way they built this in the film and I loved it. Right, because the character of Benny is not in the Latinx community. Right. He's did you see black. him carrying he had a Jamaican flag? Did you see him at, in that carnival scene because they did the no. different flag breakdown and he was carrying a Jamaican flag for a second. I did which not. Which I think see is that. really cool. Mm. But did you, but just as to, to JJ's point to piggyback, yeah, he was in that community because that's where he was, and he he was part of the family. Yeah, but. right. I also think that that just the casting in general is impeccable here. There was no, I mean, I mean, some famous figures show up. Mark Anthony shows up for a scene, and I'm right. like, he looks familiar. Oh, that's Mark Anthony, and he's great in this little role. And Jimmy Smiths, and so there's some like familiar faces here. But as you say, they really all come together in a way that makes us feel very lived in. Um, always authentic. I thought Anthony Ramos in the lead was he. I mean, he was just he's, phenomenal. He's he perfect. Oozed charisma at yeah, every yeah. moment, and he. Uh, the only other time I've seen him on screen besides Crown Royal commercials during football is <laughs> that he was on Will and Grace. He did a, really? a few guest stars as her new assistant when they rebooted Will and Grace. And please forgive me, Anthony Ramos. He was terrible. He oh. was awkward. You could feel him like. Am I on my mark? Did I get a yeah. laugh? Like he was so self-conscious and Not the right bad place on that show. Ouch. Wow. And then 
I was like, okay, let's see what he can do within the Heights. Yeah, right, I mean, right. He was he, a movie star is born. I, I think he was exquisite. I just, I was blown away. So much of the film is just like a close up on his beautiful on face. Him, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and Lin Manuel Miranda played him originally, played Uznavi originally on Broadway. So it's really interesting. And, and what I saw is that, um, Lin Manuel said that he believed that he was too old for this character now. Yeah. And that, and, and that's why you have this new, and Anthony Ramos is, is one of his, you know, folks, one of his, his crew in New York to bring in worked perfectly. And then the same thing with Christopher Jackson. Christopher Jackson, who is, um, played Mr. Softy. Here in this was the original Benny. Benny. Oh, so you okay. know, and so they he just kind of again moved on and then brought in these younger guys to kind of take that sort of youthful exuberance to Usnavi and Benny. And I thought I think it worked perfectly. So he made a different decision than Ben Platt did for the new film version of Dear Evan Hansen. Hey, hey, hey! Watch <laughs> it about Ben Platt in front of me, Brian. <laughs> I'll take you down. <laughs> Uh, my my uh, familiarity with Anthony Ramos came from uh, when he appeared in a bit part in um, the most recent remake of A Star Is Born, and he stuck mm-hmm. in my mind in that because I liked his character. Um, but it was a small part, but I still it, it, I still remembered it. And then I guess it was Hamilton. Really, was the next yeah. thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm like, oh, that's why he's the thing because he's that good because <laughs> because he definitely stands out in that show. I mean, he was really spectacular. So I really wasn't surprised once I saw that he was cast here. I'm like, oh, of course, because he did so good on on stage in Hamilton. So that made sense to me. But I I really loved him here, and I certainly hope that we see more of him because he was. I mean, he just he does really carry things, and like he just he can carry this whole thing. And I thought he was fantastic. And speaking to the casting, like everyone felt real. And you know, you were saying the kind of the LA versus New York. And I think that's interesting because I don't think it even just relates to the dancing. It just relates to the look. Like they all feel authentic to this community. And I just, right. I loved every single person the way they were used in this film. So I think that it's interesting. This is just a, a, a side note that they actually had started trying to get this made back in 2008, shortly after it was, uh, it, it, kind of won all of its Tonys and Kenny Ortega was slated to direct it he oh. had done Newsies Hocus Pocus High School Musical Descendants I was Descendants like, don't you knock it <laughs> choreographed Dirty Dancing I'm, I'm not knocking it I'm just saying that would have been a very different version I mm-hmm. I feel like they went smart and they they put it off actually universal said they dropped it because they they wanted a bankable latino star like shakira or jennifer lopez instead of just using unknowns and um, i'm happy with that <laughs> so i'm like wow here <laughs> i think i'm really glad that everything shifted to what we have now because i feel like this was done right and i yeah, just who don't does shakira feel like play who, yeah. do you, who do you have which character do you have shakira in I don't. I, I, I think say, this worked. This yeah. was the right cast, this and I love. Right hey, I love Shakira, but no, oh, yeah. not not for this show. No, no, no. But you're going back 13 years. So. Sure, that's true. Sure, it, it would have been. She could have been Nina, or or she could have. Yeah, and yeah. Miranda could have played the lead in 08, 09. That could have happened. I, I guess I'm just happier with the way that this cast works. And maybe it is the fact that they're lesser knowns. I don't want to call them unknowns now because we know, mm-hmm. I mean, these are recognizable people, but I just think it works better. I mean, even listening to the original Broadway soundtrack coming out of the film, because we played uh, Carnival del Barrio on the way out, because that was my youngest favorite song. And then hearing Lin-Manuel sing, sing the song, I'm like, oh, but that's not, that's not what we just watched. Like, it's, it's interesting how it, how, uh, uh, 
effective it was and how much affection I have for this cast now seeing this cohesive group. So well, I, yeah. you're right. These people could play those then, back then, but I like this now. I, I'm, I'm right. addicted yeah. to these. But folks. it's like, doesn't everybody think the Chinese food where they're from is the best? Of course. Because it's like yes. what you grew up, it's the flavor yes. you grew up with, right? So right, exactly. whatever exactly. you knew first, it's very difficult to wipe your memory clean and embrace a new version of it. I totally agree. But I've already done it because now I want to see the Kenny Ortega version so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. That is so funny. Well, it doesn't sound like they changed much in the way of the story. I mean, it sounds like they modified some points that were brought up in the original to now as far as just kind of, you know, things that made more sense uh, time-wise to fit in kind of 2021. And I know they added a new song toward the end, Home All Summer. But otherwise, it didn't sound like there were that many changes. I mean, were, were they there... They took I out mean, a Trump reference, I know that. They did take out a oh. Trump reference, replaced it with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yeah. yeah. In the uh, That was in the 96,000 song, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, it, I don't know. Did anything... I mean, I guess no one here really was that familiar with the musical. So none of us would be able to say this worked better than, than the musical did or, or less so. But I mean, it, but otherwise I think largely it all, it all feels pretty cohesive. Like nothing feels too problematic, right? One amazing thing that you can do so well in a film is use the use of flashbacks or the use of cutting away. And that song breathe that uh, Vanessa sings in the beginning is such a powerful song. And they were able to, cut away and show us more story in a film that you can't do on stage. So that, you know, it's just different mediums and using, using it so well. I, I, I enjoyed that. It was hard to say what would be better or worse, but because I liked the filmmaking aspects of this so much, like those things that Mandy's talking about, it, my impression, my guess is that I like this a lot better, (laughs) whether that's fair or not. That's how it feels for sure. Remind me, breathe. Does that, is that song, is she singing that? And we're seeing kind of as she's going through the process of trying to get the apartment or the, uh, the, Mm -hmm. yeah, the new place that's all happening at the same time. right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that one is a, a good a good example. And just the way that they do allow you to kind of step outside of off the stage, off the location that you're in. I think that works really nicely over the course of this. There were a few story points that I had questions on because there were some plot threads that I was like, is did we get everything we needed out of that? Or were, were, is it kind of dropped because they just never came back to it? Um, the first was the guy who takes over the area. He's he's the overpriced cleaner, you know, he charges $9 an item. Does that seem like we got everything we needed out of that? Or did it feel like there was something more there that that you missed? Don't spoil the sequel, Andy. <laughs> There's a sequel? <laughs> All about him. It's called $9. Yeah, in my notes, I said, gosh, this movie's a little long at two and a half hours. Maybe, maybe they could have tightened it. And yet at the same time, it feels like it needs to be longer. <laughs> like there's like so <laughs> many characters i mean even some of the major characters like uh what is it nina and benny who have that lovely scene where they defy gravity that like those two characters i feel like they could have had a, a little bit more with them in the second half there are some characters that kind of come and go and that was also kind of my struggle with this movie beyond the lead male character of usnavi some characters I felt like needed to breathe a little more. And I don't know, really know how the movie does that. 
by not going four hours long, but I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it would take more time, but I agree with you. The decisions, the big decisions that are made in, in the film, whether we should say in the story, are made very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're set up for Nina the entire time, really trying to exert her independence and not go to school. And then she, it, it seems as though she makes a split decision, a split second decision to say, nope, I'm going to now go this because of this experience I had at the protest. Same could be said about um, the ultimate resolution with Usnavi, um, literally talking about his dream the entire time of the film. And then to have this one intense emotional experience, which again, I'm fine with the way it paid off. But if you look at it in terms of story, he literally says, okay, I've changed my mind. You put, you made my beach here. (laughs) So like these are lifetime sort of decisions that are made in the, the flip of a coin. It felt like, and I, and I felt like those kind of, I was expecting different payoffs, but I wasn't unhappy with the payoffs. It's just when I look at the story objectively, it seems like it was a little thin for that. It, it, it like Brian said, it needs to breathe a little bit more. I think I did like the use. I did like the use of the wraparound story and the twist of that at the end was kind of fresh. Something I hadn't really seen before. I was like, oh, we're doing this. We're doing the opening of John Carpenter's The Fog. We're going to open with like, let me tell you a story that always kind of puts <laughs> me off. But the way that resolves at the end, I thought was really clever. That actually worked out. Except that it was quite cheesy. It's like, oh, a dirty rag can be a crop top. I'll stay. Yeah. It just, it was a, a bit forced. You know, I'm walking down the street and a graffiti artist. It was too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe on stage that was powerful. Maybe that was told in a way that, that would have been more moving, but it was pretty eye rolly to me. You're right, but I can't imagine how, right? Like that, <laughs> I'm always like, right. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. And yeah. I can't picture it. So yeah. we're just going to say, yeah, must have must have worked. That was like an an area for me. I mean, I think the wraparound's fine, and I, I I think largely it's because I actually really enjoy some of the elements that are brought into the wraparound. Like I loved the moment when he schools the kids on like important Latina figures that they should be aware of, and like they did, they just like that came out of nowhere. It didn't really like tie into anything, but it was just such a a wonderful wonderfully designed and built moment that i'm like that was awesome i love everything that just happened there did you like the uh the um usual suspects moment when iris is just gazing at all of the random things around the boat the 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 store and like is realizing that it's all part of the story and mr Mm. kobayashi is really you know no i'm just kidding but but that was as part of the wraparound story that was the thing i thought that was really interesting is that they did that oh the champagne bottles nailed to the wall right over here yeah right it's an applebee's <laughs> all those little pieces are are all there it's all there no i mean it was it was fine and i actually i didn't i didn't have an issue with that i think my issue as was being pointed out is that things just happen so quickly and everything feels very neat and that's that's where my issues with the musical overall come in because it just feels like everything is by the beat and completely expected and i don't I generally don't have a huge issue with that. It's just because I didn't really get emotionally connected with the characters and their journeys. Um, and, and maybe that's also because like those, those, as you said, like when they make those decisions, it's like, boom, the decision has been made. There really wasn't a, a big moment for them. It just feels so expected. And, uh, and so, you know, I really enjoyed the way that the story unfolded. I enjoyed the characters, but I just never really got that connected to it because I kind of, knew where all the beats were going. I feel a sense of relief right now because I thought I would come on here and be a naysayer and you would all (laughs) tell me I was nuts and too critical and being a snob. Because in my 
you know, my social media is populated by theater geeks and gay men. And that's, that's my whole world. And they are all loving this. Everybody's saying, I'm still crying. This is the best movie I've seen in years. People are raving on my social media. So then I watched it and I was like, what am I missing? I mean, not, Mm. not to say it wasn't, there were magical things, as we said, but it's a relief to hear you guys had some issues with story and too many characters. And I was taking notes. uh, And I was like, it's one hour in and I am not invested in the story. I'm invested in the filmmaking, not the story. Right, right. Yep, that's what we are. We're we're a group counseling for critics. That's what we are. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just real quick. I mean, I'm gay. I love musicals, and the fact that I wasn't completely immersed in this movie from beginning to end was kind of strange for me. I'll just tell you that. I love most movie musicals, and this one maybe it'll take me another viewing or something, or maybe listening to the soundtrack a little bit more. I wasn't familiar with the music, and so I don't know. I don't know what it is with this one that it didn't quite click for me in a way it has done for many, many other people. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to go back to it as a as a as a, a group of numbers. Right. And like, honestly, I know that when I go back to it, I don't know that I'm ever going to watch the film in entirety again. But I am going to go watch, you know, 96,000 again in the pool. 96,000 times. Just to take that. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, and so I think the power of it is to show really what they did creatively with the medium for the the essential musical numbers in that. But as a cohesive story, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not exactly right. It feels like early, it's early Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Like he's, he's, he's doing better as he goes further. And it's wonderful that they're still, that they're still making expressions of this work there too. But ultimately, um, he's doing better things as he, as he gets older and gets more mature in his work as well. Well, I think that's a very valid point though, because I mean, we are looking at early career material here and, and it's, it's odd because it's not like, it's not John Chu's first film, but, and so it's, and other Lin-Manuel has been doing a lot of things. So we're taking something from early in his career and we're bringing it to the now with a filmmaker who's, who's very familiar with how to make great films. And all of a sudden we're taking a story that isn't, it, it still feels very early and putting it into kind of the modern, the modern space. And so it's going to be hard to kind of really make that work as well. And, and so I think that that's a challenge for this film is to really kind of be able to step up and be more than what it was when it was first uh, put together. And, and, but, you know, I, I think that there are things here that they are doing very right. And so that's, that's what I, I think is worth celebrating because I mean, I think that this is a fantastic glimpse into this largely Hispanic community or, or not Hispanic Latinx Latinx community here in, in this, in this, in this very specific neighborhood in, in New York. and. I I just felt so connected to the community. Even if I didn't feel connected to the story, I didn't feel emotionally invested with their journeys to follow their dreams. I felt very much like I was a part of the community. And so to that end, I think John Chu really succeeded. And I think that's where we all have some frustration is that we're really connected to this film and to the filmmaking and to the community and the people. It's just that the 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 story isn't there. And I just think that's going to be an always a, a case when you jump back to an early an early thing like we did with Miranda's very first Broadway hit here. Yep, I agree. Another story point that I had questions on because I'm like, did I miss some wrap up here? 
Benny and Kevin, so we have the blackout and Benny is just like, I got to do my job. And, and, and Nina's like, why, you know, you're, you're not, it's, it's sold. And he's just like, I'm still working there. I don't know if I'm going to have a job tomorrow, but I'm going to go today. And he goes over there and Kevin, Nina's dad goes in and they're like running the cabs together and everything. And I'm like, is that, are we, was there supposed to be some reconciliation there? Like, what was the point of that scene? Like, I, I never felt like that went anywhere. Did I miss something? No, no. I mean, I just think everybody was, you know, in crisis mode and crisis brings people together and they they were working together. But it, it felt pretty schlocky, you know, for my <laughs> money. I mean, was a, it was that, a that whole moment, blackout right? sequence was schlocky as hell with the fireworks <laughs> in the sky and the, oh, we get it. And, you know, and then they ran to the store. And picked up the phone and started going, yeah, okay, pick him up on 90th Street, as if they were saving lives right there in front of them. And it, it was all, it, it was, was emotional manipulation to make us feel good about something that actually was dying, right? I mean, that's the, the kind of thing. So I don't know, there wasn't a payoff to that emotion in the story at yeah. all, other than in that moment. It was something that led us to the, I guess maybe it was meant to increase the anxiety of the blackout feel leading up to Abuela's death. I I, I don't know. I, I'm making apologies for it now, but yeah, yeah. I, I, it was something, it was a note that was just sent out there and didn't have any sort of uh, reconciliation to it. It was strange to me. Just I did like, I did like the title card. Oh, you did? <laughs> the... I like the where it said uh, three days till blackout. I'm like, ooh, it's, it's it's almost like it added a little bit of tension, like something big that's going to bring everyone together. I don't know if it necessarily you know, paid off in that respect, but I thought that was kind of a neat tool for the filmmaker. I was wondering about that because yeah, they start popping up right away, and I'm like, oh, okay, we we have a blackout. Something's happening. There's going to be a big blackout in three days, in two days, in one day, and so that was kind of a nice little kind of a ticking clock that we as the audience knew something was mm-hmm. going to happen, and then there was the blackout, and and I, like you, I was like, well, it never really went anywhere because then we're mid blackout, and then we're like. I think it was a month later or something like that. And so, as I, I mean, I, I think that it worked well just to kind of break things up, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but it didn't do, it didn't do a lot. But yeah, I just, I, I think that there are things that they included in here that just didn't feel as, I don't know, it didn't feel they worked as well. Are there any people in the cast, anyone else that really stood out for any of you? In good ways or bad ways or both? In both, or? yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, the, the good was, it was, for me, 95% positive. Corey Hawkins, I looked him up. He's, he's a Yale grad. He's just a phenom. He was smooth. His voice was fantastic. He doesn't seem to have a musical theater background, but he crushed it. Uh, my only issue was with uh, Vanessa, played by Melissa Barrera, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. And she, I said... I bet she's not doing her own singing. I got to look this up because that woman does not know how to lip sync. She did her own singing. She doesn't know how to lip sync. It's a whole different set of skills. The reason why that, you know, that TV show where they do lip sync battles. And do you know what I'm talking about? It's so good. Yes. Uh, LL Cool J hosts it. Like it's a real skill. It's not just move your mouth with the words. It's look like you're exerting the effort to sing these words. And she was simply very moving important. her mouth. Yes. And it was very upsetting. It took me out of it because her she has that song, Breathe. I, I love that song. And I I was like, she, you know, she just looked like a porcelain doll singing. And that to me was very frustrating. She's a musical theater performer. She's got that background. So she has not done a lot of lip syncing in her life. Right. A lot no. of singing, not a lot of lip syncing. 
But the other, uh, Vanessa, she's a superstar. And she, I guess, is not an actress. She's a singer, a recording artist. You mean Nina? Nina or Vanessa? Oh, Nina, Leslie Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I could watch her her all day long. Her voice was so special. Just All of the voices I found really special. But yeah. Yeah. But I think some of them were in over their head. I just I think Melissa Barrera was in over her head and for the lip sync portion. Yeah. Yes. I also did like uh, Gregory Diaz as um, Sonny. I thought his rap stuff was really fun and entertaining. And I can't imagine. I mean, he, I, he looks so young. I can't believe that. I can't imagine that he was one of the original people in the Broadway. But it was. He would have I thought, been three. I he was a really likable character. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, um, but my that was the thing that my oldest son said is he just he really wanted to see Sonny get his great story at the end and and mm-hmm. and he did get it somewhat but he wanted especially in the moment when sonny you know makes the confession that he is undocumented and is not going to be able to go to college and how much that hurt him that really stuck emotionally with my kids yeah. and that's something that they really wanted to see because he was so effective in delivering his role so mm-hmm. I, I liked everything that he did on on, on screen as well i like seeing uh, daphne ruben vega who i believe was in the original cast of rent is that right oh yeah yeah nice. and she plays a big role in a movie i love from the 90s called wild things oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i forgot she was in that <laughs> yeah she like works with kevin bacon in that movie it's one of my like favorites from the late 90s so That's i'm so happy funny. to see her in a movie and uh and i mean you can tell from this like she has a lot of training and uh, I wish I could have seen that original, you know, the Broadway show of uh, of Rent. And it was great to see her, too. It was great to see her singing. Um, it, Mimi in Rent is such a whisperer and a croaker because of where she is in her life, right? And I said I wasn't going to sing, but... Won't you light my candle? That's how she sang in Rent. In this, she <laughs> gave it to us. She really brought a big, bold voice and a really heartwarming version of Daniela. I just, I wanted to hug her and you just wanted to have dinner with all these people, but she was yep. special in this. It was the nice scene to at see. The salon was really fun in the salon. Yes. And the, like the wigs are like, <laughs> the wigs are all nodding. Right? <laughs> the wigs yeah. were nodding. I Great. thought that was maybe a little bit too, maybe that's something Kenny Ortega would have done. <laughs> you know, the hocus pocus thing. I was, I thought that was maybe a little much, but it was fun. <laughs> that felt like they probably pulled that from Broadway. Like that seemed like a very stage sort of thing to do, you know? Um, I didn't mind that so much, but yeah, I think that next to Abuela, who may have been, uh, one of my favorites, and maybe it's just because I just loved that Paciencia y Fe song so much, but Olga Meredes, uh, who played, uh, Abuela, I just loved her, but Daphne Rubin Vega, I think absolutely would be my favorite character in this because largely because of just what she brings to that community right at that end when everybody is, is so depressed in that Carnaval de Barrio song. I just, I mean, that just pumped the life into everything. So I just, I was completely enamored with her in this and I have never seen Rent. So I can't speak to her in other things other than I think a few, you know, appearances like things like wild things. Um, so largely this is where I now know her from. And I just, I was thrilled to see what she did here. She nice. also did Magenta in a revival of, um, Rocky Horror Picture Show on Broadway. Cool. And again, I so vocally, that. it was very weird. It, was, <laughs> it didn't give her a chance to sing full throttle. It was very character So, yeah. um, yeah, Interesting. I mean, every, every voice in this was just thrilling. I and and Jimmy Smith's like I really was 
uh, surprised, I think, when I saw him in the trailer and he was singing because they played a little piece of his, I think, at the very beginning when he goes in to get his coffee and he's like, good morning, Usnavi, or whatever he's singing. <laughs> and like that little moment, I'm like, oh, Jimmy Smith, and he's in a musical and he's singing. And then there's a clip later in the trailer where it shows him dancing and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I just, I love, I've always you know, had Jimmy Smith in my life. I, I feel like from a time I was when I was young, he was just Victor always Fuentes. Been, yeah, he's always been doing Law, something. Yeah. Exactly. He's no, he's no Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia. He's a real <laughs> oh, no, he's musical <laughs> performer, which makes this so much better to Good see him come out yeah. and, and show up well. Did you guys see the thing Fallon did with Lin Manuel Miranda last week? No, no. I highly recommend it. They did a a musical number called Broadway is Back. And I'm, I'm not sure mm. who wrote it, but it's the two of them singing. And then uh, Jimmy Smits and Olga, say her name, I'm sorry. Olga Meredes. Thank you. They were in this musical number with a bunch of Broadway performers. It, and it's, if you are a fan of Broadway and musicals, it will have you in tears. It's like Yay. all the wow. joy of like, we will all be back together again. We will be on stage. We will be moved by art together as a community and it's it's funny but it's it's also just i've watched it three times and cried all three times i love I it. it that is great i'll I love find it immediately after we get off the call here yeah, yeah. and I, I mean just speaking to that broadway community i mean this is kind of going a little off topic but i loved what they were doing early in covid and the pandemic when they were actually doing like a, a weekly broadway release where you could actually sit down and watch a broadway show in the comfort of your own home and just like it it, it I don't know. It felt like Broadway was really opening up and finding ways to kind of, you know, keep that community alive. And I did really appreciate that. I thought that was really touching. It's been so hard on them. I know. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. some folks who were on big shows and who have had to get jobs in real estate and things just to get them through. And, yeah. you know, I just I, I, I so want them to be able to plug back into their careers as soon as as soon as possible. And 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 really looking forward to that. Broadway is is very different than screens. It's just, you know, on Broadway, if you fall in love with an actor, you wait at the stage door and that actor comes out and chats with you and takes a picture and signs your, in my day, signs my book. And, you know, yeah, yeah. and um, their Broadway actors are accessible and of the people and with the people. And in the pandemic, they were releasing musicals, but they were also doing these Zooms of, you know, we got the original cast back of Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton and everybody, all these shows, because they are just like, they are us, you know, and they are willing to show us their living room that's being painted. And they're willing to go on camera with no makeup and sing their hearts out with us and for us. And that's something that you just don't get from TV and film. Film, yeah. 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 Well, and and there were some people from the stage, like Olga Meredis. She played Abuela in the original uh, performances. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. and, oh, that's great. And so she's one of the few, I think, original people. I think there were a couple other people who came over. But as you said, I mean, largely people like Lin Manuel Miranda, Christopher Jackson. They were too old to kind of reprise their roles. Uh, but I, I mean, Lin Manuel Miranda. You know, I actually really enjoyed him as the Piraguero selling the uh, <laughs> selling too. the little. Uh, shaved ice uh, treats i i thought that was great and it i i don't know if any of you had a chance to watch the at the very end of the end credits but there's just a last little tag that he does there with uh finishing kind of that little storyline between him and the and mr softy 
which I thought was really nice. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, just, I enjoyed all of those moments that they had. Yeah, I like that it wasn't a five-second cameo. It could have just yeah. been like one shoddy waves, and you're like, oh, look who it is. It's like he plays <laughs> a character. You see him in a lot of the film, so I like that about it, too. Yeah. I didn't see it, and my oldest, as the credits were running, he's like, we should stay just to see <laughs> if there's something. And I was like, no, they're not going to do that. That's, That's just a, a Marvel kid. thing. That's and now I guess... <laughs> Now I guess it's an everybody thing. It's an every movie thing. We're never going to be able to leave until after the credits ever again. <laughs> exactly. Because, just, as soon because as, when you do. <laughs> exactly. And you mentioned it and I had to tell him you were right. I yep. was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I did yeah. that with my son and gosh, I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was like Shazam or something. And yeah. I'm just like, this is DC. They're not going to do that. And right. so we left. And then, of course, he finds out later. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Bag <laughs> nabbit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> now thing. every movie will have one after the credits, like costume dramas will have like a <laughs> <laughs> right. it's an encore. It's like the expected encore, right? It's like you gotta do it. They're coming back out, they're gonna do their hits. <laughs> Set it up for the sequel. Right. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Uh well, I mean it's it's a story that kind of gets by, but it's with a cast of fantastic people. Are there any last thoughts that any of you have about the film that you want to get out off your chest? I could sing No Me Diga if everybody... <laughs> I'm just happy you sang. I'm, I, I was disappointed at the beginning when you said you weren't going to, so I'm glad we got some, even if it was of the weird voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had some issues with it. I'm excited to watch it again, and I might actually go to the local theater and see it on a big screen. I think I might have a different experience. It's worth it. I, I, I will say so that. I'd be so curious. Like, I think all of you, because, and, and Brian, I'm just meeting you for the first time, but all of you that I know will get a real kick out of seeing how big it is and how immersive it is, because you got some of that even in the small screen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, it, it, if you want to see 96,000 and, and really what that, you know, that, that, pool scene is all about it it just it takes it takes you over and it's it's worth it so i would encourage that do you live in la brian we could meet <laughs> i'm in reno nevada oh, oh <laughs> not, not too far <laughs> not too far just around the corner around the corner i i i really would love to take my kids to this and see i well maybe my daughter i think my son is you know his patience level i don't think is quite there yet to make it through a two and a half hour musical uh uh, that seems more adult oriented, at least it's not like, you know, animated fair, but I think my daughter would really connect with it. I couldn't convince her to sit down on the couch with me and watch it. But I think if I took her to see it on the big screen, I think that she would really enjoy it. So this is something that, um, I wasn't thinking I'd watch it again, but I don't know, just talking about it and thinking about these people and the community they make and the way that John Chu put it together in the film it really does make me feel like, you know, I, I feel like I really want to go see this on the big screen just to see how it plays, because I have a feeling, you know, I may not like it that much more, but I think I will certainly appreciate what I'm seeing more and just really getting into those visuals and everything. And I, I think you mentioned, uh, Brian, that, you know, the songs like they didn't stick with me that much on the at, on the first round. And that happens a lot with some musicals where I'm just like, you know, OK, I, I'm going to have to listen to the soundtrack a few times to really start clicking with some of these songs and eventually like i do with some of them you know i really i i find that the songs now have a lasting impact because i've i've listened to them and now i know them and i can sing them and i have the emotion that kind of goes along with them and this is i think one of those where there are songs in here where if i can really connect with it i'm going to totally uh, you know, I, I can see myself kind of listening to this soundtrack a lot more often. 
I'm also just really excited that the musical is back. I mean, we're getting at least, what, three or four this fall. We're getting Dear Evan Hansen. Hansen. We're getting West Side Story by Steven Spielberg in December. So there's some big musicals coming. I'm very excited that there is a bunch in one calendar year. It's really cool. I am really curious to compare this community with the community that we're going to get that Steven Spielberg creates in West Side Story. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the New York community and that's going to feel like that Los Angeles community that you were talking about. Like, that might not be a little too perfect in that one. Yeah. So Fingers we, crossed. <laughs> it's <yeah>. not terrible. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, I, you know, I, I think that it was a, it was certainly worth watching and certainly something to see on the big screen. So, uh, let's, let's, uh, jump over to Letterboxd and rank this film out of five stars and the Letterboxd heart. Where do you stand with this particular film? Mandy, let's start with you. Oh, I want to give it 3.75. That's not a thing, right? <laughs> 3.8. No. It, it's not quite four stars, but it's definitely 3.5 with a heart. 3.5 with a heart. Okay. Uh, JJ, how about you? Yeah, for me, I was four with a heart too, uh, in a similar way. I just, the, the stuff they did from a filmmaking aspect and just going back to one of my original points that Chicago was so groundbreaking for me when I saw it as a musical on film of the newness of what a movie musical could be. And this, I felt like from a filmmaking perspective, it took that leap for me. So even with the problems in story, even with the, the not perfect musical that it is for me, I was so happy with what they did here that I, I gave it four stars or four, yeah, four stars in a, in a, in a like. Okay. Brian? Yeah, I would give it 3.5, inching its way to 4. I think if I see it again on the big screen, it might jump up to a (laughs) 4. We'll see. Gotcha. And would you give it a heart? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely a heart for me. And I think I'm in that 3.5 range also. You know, I I feel very good about 3.5. I think I I wish that the story had, had wowed me more. But as we've said, over and over, John Chu's filmmaking definitely wowed me in the production of this. I was just completely enamored with everything that he did here. So, well, everybody, uh, thanks so much for joining uh, joining me here on the film board tonight to talk about In the Heights. Thanks for bringing it all Thank together. Thank you. Yeah. So much fun. Anything you want to plug as far as where people can find you out there on the socials? Well, Brian should go first because I want to hear about your podcast, Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've been doing a podcast since September 2020. It's called Film at 50. We review films released 50 years ago. So just in the month of June, <laughs> this month, we're talking about McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Clute, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, three wow. films that came out in June of 1971. And a lot of great guests. You know, I'm the host and every week I have a new guest. So like I've had Michael Phillips from the Chicago Tribune. I've had Alonzo Duralde from The Rap. And uh, Izzy from Be Kind Rewind, a really great YouTube channel. And it's been a lot of fun. We're on, uh, you can find us on filmat50.com. We're on, you know, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also on YouTube. And you can find Film at 50 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. Uh, Mandy, what about you? Do you have any socials you want people to track you down on? Well, sure. They can find me at, at Mandy underscore Kaplan underscore Clavens on Instagram and Facebook. But can I actually plug my show? Yes, you please should. do. My show, please my do. live cabaret musical extravaganza is back two weeks from tomorrow on Sunday, June 27th in North Hollywood. It's Miss Cast LA. We're back. So you can find us on Facebook at Miss Cast LA or on Instagram at Miss or on Facebook. It's at Miss Cast Right Singer Wrong Song. And what does uh, it support? The thank you. The charity is Project Angel Food, who is 
fed thousands and thousands of people through the pandemic and for years prior. And Tommy Handsome, Tommy Metz of the pod is, will be on stage singing and dancing. It's, uh, it's a great time. It's a cast of 12 of us. It's my heart and soul. And this is our 30th show in Los Angeles. Yay, wow. 30. Fantastic. Take 30. That's awesome. Thank Congrats. Uh, JJ, how about you? Well, you can catch me bi-weekly on the Trailer Rewind show here on the Next Reels family of podcasts. Uh, that's uh, run with me and Steve Sarmento. We have guests from time to time. And that really is a show about how to catch movies that you might not have seen in the theater, which takes on a whole new weird meaning through the pandemic, but that we've <laughs> talked about on our Satmat shows where people talk about trailers. And uh, Steve goes through, scours them and picks them up and says, well, that was interesting. You know, Mandy talked about this one or Andy talked about this one. And, and so we take a look at it and then we, we make a show about it for you to tell you whether it's worth your time or whether it belongs in the netflix bin so yeah that every bi-weekly uh th- those shows are coming out and we have those scheduled all the way through the end of the year i think so lots of great, great ones to check out there trailer rewind yeah i think you just did peanut butter falcon and then you have please stand by coming up right yes please stand by lots of we did a whole we did a series of of movies with with uh film titles that had birds in them and peanut butter falcon <laughs> was the finale for that please stand by is a new is a new setup for that but yeah we're going we're going strong and it's been a really good year with them fantastic uh well everybody uh thank you so much don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers you can learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord and if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it you can head to thenextreel.com slash membership all of you wonderful members we really thank you for your support just as a reminder we are have been cranking out monthly member bonus episodes on both the film board and on the next reel we just did a quiet place part two earlier this month and next month we'll be talking about black widow which is uh you know july's our hiatus but we're gonna throw in a member bonus for all of you that's just this show there's also all the next real member bonus episodes remember if you're listening you can upgrade your letterbox account to pro or patron level and you can get a 20 percent off discount at the slash letterboxd and coming up next week in celebration of father's day it's netflix's fatherhood directed by paul weitz starring kevin hart excuse me she's been like crying for hours sorry but this is a group for new mothers on that sign out there says parents i'm a parent and i don't know what the hell i'm doing Girl's got some stuff flying out of her ass. She can either hit you with a streamer or she'll buckshot you. It's a quick whop. I need help. I don't know how you're going to do this. Mm-mm-mm. If you could have only one parent, I wish you could have had your mom. Because she would have been better at it. And mommy was the best. Go to sleep, Maddie. Maddie, go to sleep. Maddie, go to sleep. Go to sleep, Maddie. It's not working out. Well, she's not a clapper. Matthew, darling, we think you should move back to Minnesota. You're all alone here. She needs family. Raising a child is a nonstop, all day, all night affair. I look. You look great. Don't say it just to be saying it. You look like a king. King of the sling. How does it look? I think it's a new look. I think it's a new hairstyle that can catch on if given a chance. Mr. Logan, Madeline doesn't have a mother to model after. I am well aware of what my daughter doesn't have. You think you can do this, but you can't. No, man, you're right. I can't do it. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm a father. God, Maddie. You Thank God today I got there in time to hold her hand. With Liz, I didn't get to hold her hand. She was gone. And you... It's always just us. Other people have more people. I just want to do 
what your mom would have wanted me to do. You are trying to make everything perfect. <laughs> but we don't have any control. Wherever you are, I want to go there. Wherever you are, I want to go there too. Somebody's cutting onions or something close to us or something. I don't know. Oh. She would be so proud of you. <laughs> Two kisses. One for mommy. One for me. Hold on to me. Stay close. Don't be scared. Ah! Ah! Oh! He's oh, okay, Maddie. Yeah. Don't forget to do all the stuff you're supposed to do with your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and of course, listen. But perhaps most importantly, share. Please let any of those movie lovers in your life know about the show. The best way we have to get more people listening to the show is you. Thank you so much, everybody. Meeting adjourned. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 